Welcome to The Real Deal Podcast of Maddie Marshall. This podcast is brought to you by GI Sports, as well as Die Precision, Planet Eclipse, and Key Action Sports. So uh, today in the studio, we have Tim Montressor, and we also have Chad Boucher. We also have Tommy O'Donnell here, old school paintball player, and Ryan Smith. They're just lurking in the corner right now, <laughs> just staring at us, judging. Um, but, uh, but Tim and Chad are going to be breaking down some Houston Heat info, talking about the new year. Um, the rate of fire, how that's been working out for you guys, just kind of how you feel the team's going to be doing. And this is a you know pretty big year for you. But, you know, let's start off. How's the offseason been? Chad, how you been, man? I feel great. Um, you know, I started the second World Cup was over. We left World Cup with a uh, bad taste in my mouth. So uh, right from that get-go right there, we started making moves. And we just looked for the future right then and there. So it was just like from the second we were in the parking lot, we were just like, what can we do to make this better? So And that's all we've been doing. I mean, everybody on the team's been stepping up. So I feel great, and the guys do too, so. And Tim, what about yourself? I spent about a month overseas. I was gonna say, <laughs> have you just still been just road warring it up? Or yeah, what? me and Ryan, me Ryan, me Ryan and Greg went to Singapore for a week, and then went to Malaysia for about a week and a half. I came home for maybe about a week and a half, and went to South Africa for 15 days. God sucks, bro. Yeah, feels so bad for you right now. Life, dude, so what a bummer. <laughs> yeah, so I've been home for like three weeks, back on the grind. Yeah, yeah. how's the uh, snowy abyss of uh, oh, Pittsburgh treating you? I think I think they're getting like six inches today. So you're pretty stoked to be out here playing oh ball in San so Diego horrible. Sun? My girlfriend's out there shoveling the snow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, let's talk about World Cup, and I mean, we can talk about whatever as we ramble through this conversation, but let's kind of talk about where you guys came off of from World Cup, and then how you made the moves to um, to get the Russians back, and you know, a lot of people are interested in that sort of stuff, for sure, as well as me, as well. Um, so yeah, so World Cup was not the way you guys wanted it to go down. I mean, for Heat in general, I really thought that Chicago was going to be the turning point for you guys. Yeah. I thought you played very well in Chicago. You guys ended up taking second at that event. Um, and I, I thought that you guys had turned the corner there. Um, but then the end of the year just really didn't play out well for you guys. So let's take it back to the end of World Cup and you know talk a little bit about the performance and then what prompted those moves. So what, where were you guys' head at heading into Cup? I mean, did you feel really confident? or I felt great going into it. I mean, we played a lot of paintball in, that, like, in the prior weeks to that because we played the CXBL at the same time. So for us to go in there to World Cup, we had a lot of practice. I mean, some would like to say it was almost too much, but I felt that, you know, we went in prepared. That was going to be a question. You know, I know you guys were prepared, but that had been kind of one of the things is that you guys play arguably more paintball than anybody does. Yeah, yeah. And and so it was – that it was kind of one of those things. Like, do you you feel it was too much or – I don't because of – the only reason is because if you're not winning – I mean, in the NFL, if if a team's not winning, they don't just stop practicing less or start, you know, they just don't step back like that. You know, you, sometimes you got to hit it harder than what it's ever got to be. Mm-hmm. And I felt that that's how we went about it. And, you know, I mean, we shot a lot of paint. We did a lot of things. Um, we may not have played. Um, we played ourselves more than anything. And we I felt we got bad um, tendencies of just, like, getting, like, playing each other back and forth all the time instead of learning other things, stuff like that, and working as a team. It's more like, you know, other guys are fighting for spots and trying to make sure we could do that. And, I mean, obviously the best players are going to play, so everybody's trying to fight for a spot. And so, I mean, there there was just different situations that came about. And, you know, I mean, it was definitely a long road to World Cup for us just because, like, we played for weeks on end. And, uh, you know, some guys by the end of World Cup were just, I think, more relieved to be done at the time than it was to this, okay, we made it to the World Cup. So Yeah, so maybe kind of... 
And I, I, could, I definitely understand why guys got burnt out, but, you know, in this program with our team, like, it's all or nothing, and so we're just going at 100%, and that's how we felt at that time. That's how we could do it. So. Yeah, well, and also, I mean, you guys have such a high-powered program. I mean, you're getting paid to play, and you guys have tons of stars on the team, huge amount of support. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in a way, this is your job. Exactly. So, you know, exactly. I mean, it's you kind of got to clock in and put those hours exactly. in to see how good you can get and stay as crisp yeah. as possible as far as your skills are concerned. Yep. Tim, what do you think? I mean, I thought we were going to do a lot better at World Cup. I mean, I'd never gone to an event and thought we weren't going to do well. Mm-hmm. So, And we'd actually come off of a second place in Paris. So we lost our chaos in overtime. But, and it was like literally one ball here or there would have been the difference of us winning that tournament. So, you know, you think you turn the corner. You know, you say, hey, maybe um, California was just one of those events. You know, we, we had a bad event. We came back. We beat Dynasty. We felt good. Come off a of second place in Paris. Felt good about World Cup. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just goes that way, man. Sometimes you have a bad events. Sometimes you have a bad season. And, you know, for me personally, it wasn't a good season. For the team, it wasn't a good season. And just how it is, just move on. So, I mean, a lot of people have to do – well, actually, I want to talk about what kind of drills you guys run in practice, and then I kind of want to get where your heads are at because I think a lot of people can relate to – you know, a lot of people get on teams and think everything's going to go perfect and we're going to win tournaments, kind of like Heat when you guys first started. Yeah. Um, or, you know, Philly when you had picked up, you know, Fedorov back in the day, you guys went on your winning run. But, you know, you guys have been down that road many times. There's a lot of people currently going down that road because, as we well know, this is a humbling-ass sport because <laughs> there's only a couple winners every yeah. weekend and everyone else is losing yeah. and wondering what the hell happened. Oh, yeah. Um, but when you guys are running those week-long drills i mean what amount of that is scrimmage what amount of that is drills and i mean fundamental work like what do you guys do on your day-to-day um i would say most of it is drills um so let's say we do like for this week we'll be out here we'll play for five days um so we'll be out here for seven days and we'll play for five so usually we'll keep our scrimmaging just to maybe saturday and half of a sunday um, we'll do a lot of situational drills, two on threes, three on fours, containment. Um, so we'll do that for the first couple of days. We always close with individual skills, so snap shooting, running, shooting, laning. Um, so, I mean, we break it up fairly you know, equally. I think we have a good program. I mean, Jason does a good job of breaking it up where I think it feels, you know, pretty successful i mean is he there running the practices yeah he runs all the practices you know and and one thing we've done this year is now we try to have meetings and we all give input about hey we need to work on this i feel i personally need to work on this we as a unit need to work on that and you know so far already this week it has a whole different feeling to it really why so um you know i think when you have 12 guys and everybody respects everybody's opinion i mean it's hard to say if mishka says something you're like I mean, you've won enough tournaments. I can relate to that, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, or, exactly. or a guy comes back and you're like, hey, you know, he's a good player. Why, why would I doubt him for that? You know, and so everybody feels comfortable saying something as well as respecting someone's opinion. So I think last year towards the end, we got to kind of some cutthroat situations where people would say something like, oh, why would you say that? That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it was no one's fault. It just, it, it unfortunately just kind of tail, tail spun that way. And, uh, you know, we cleaned it up a lot. And I think we have 12 people who have legitimate opinions. That's also kind of an issue, too, that that I want to talk about as far as um, having that many good players on the same team and how that can be obviously a huge boost to your on-field performance, but it also can create a lot of derision within the ranks because you have so many legitimate people. Yeah, so much talent and so many good minds in there that trying to to kind of coalesce all of those opinions into, okay, this is definitely the way we're going, can kind of sometimes be problematic. Um, But let's go back to World Cup. So... You know, what was your your mentality like after that loss? You know, I mean, what was, I mean, because then pretty soon you guys were making moves to pick up the Russians. 
And, um, I mean, so how did that go down? Kind of, I mean, how were you guys feeling after that? I mean, obviously destroyed. I, know, I mean, you know, that's kind of goes without saying, but yeah. again, you know, cause there's a lot of people out there that have to deal with losses and, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, how do you deal with those? You honestly just have to kind of like, like, this is obviously, like you said, just like our job. So it's like, you know, you show up for your nine to five and if some things go and you get a raise and it goes well, then it works out. Um, obviously on us, it's winning. So if you don't perform and things like that, you can't look at it negatively. You have to be like, okay, losing to me it's got to be the learning step. So you have to just take it just like that. So with us, that was a lesson to us. You know, what do we do too much of? What do we do not, not enough of? And how we really went about it is, okay, what is it going to take to win? What is it going to make sure that we stay on top? You know, and a lot of people feared that, you know, our sponsors wouldn't be there or, and that's not, that wasn't the case at all. Like everybody right from the get go was like, Hey, you know what? We've been with you guys since the beginning. We'll still be with you now. And so once we had that insurance, we just kept going, okay, let's hit the ground running. Let's look, what do we got to do next? And it was just like, okay, let's, how can we fix the roster? How can we make sure, you know, how can we make sure that Jason has the right guys on the field to prepare us to go on the field and win? And I feel that we've done exactly just that. So, yeah, I mean, it came out so quick after World Cup, but that's what the thing was. We don't want to wait too late. And so we did that before, and all of a sudden we had options. We didn't have as many as we wanted. Now mm-hmm. we got exactly the guys we wanted, um, the guys who are in the still team, exactly who we wanted. So it kind of works out. When did you kind of know that's been one of those overhanging questions? And then, I mean, and then why did Art Chaos fold? Do you guys know why Art Chaos folded? I don't have an answer 100% on that one. So, I mean, obviously, again, I guess you could say, uh, Randy took the heart of Russia again. So from <laughs> from the, uh, the, the key players on Art Chaos and... Uh, I don't have an exact answer why they folded. I'm not sure if like um, Sadar, the owner, was just done with it, or if he didn't, if he was going to have a team again. Um, I just know that after Paris, even after we played those guys, they were like, you know, um, we just miss you guys a lot. You know, we're glad to see you guys are doing well, and you know, it'd be great to play with you guys again. And we just kind of spun things from there. Well, it's kind of a no-brainer move. I mean, you guys had so much success with them anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, who we're talking about? If you're unfamiliar with Paintball, you just got into it. You know, basically when Heat first formed. Part of the the line that really helped them win tournaments was Konstantin Fedorov, Sergei Solnyskov, and Mishka. Mm-hmm. And then, but you guys also picked up Malloy um, as yes, well too. Yes. So, I mean, if they were discontent where they were at and weren't really happy with what was going on over there, and kind of saw, oh, well, this team's going to go down, it's kind of a no brainer that they would come back to you guys. I mean, they uh, they had options. I mean, I'm sure they could have talked to anybody else, but uh, they the thing is with our team also is like we get treated like gold. I mean, like everybody's like, oh, you know, they got all this money and everything else, but. We have Mama D cooking for us every single night. Like mm-hmm. we have, you know, Sarge giving us talks just on life in general, just to get us prepared for things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this week alone, like I've had more guys talk on the team about what they're trying to do for things outside of paintball, things that they're trying to start themselves. So I'm just like, okay, you know, the guys are all on the same page of like they want to make money and they're not just relying on paintball. But like that's just guidelines that they see a blueprint and they just want to go with it from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know. With that alone, it's just like, all right, like, there's just more than just paintball to us. So, I don't know. It, it kind of goes back and forth. Well, and you guys spend so much time with each other. That's just kind of yeah. natural, too. Yeah. You know I mean, when you, yeah. we know how that goes. I mean, oh, you yeah. get pretty close. That's one of those, the fact, the things that, that comes from a paintball life is that you do spend so much time with guys on your team. And that's why you hear that, you know, guys throw out that family term or that brother term. It's oh, just, yeah. you know, you're, you're doing something that's rather difficult. You're doing it on a regular basis and you're traveling around to do it. So, you know, it's just kind of natural that you would become super close with the guys. Um, but uh, it, it's it's going to be, you know, a very kind of interesting year this year because of the way the teams are stacking up. And, um, you know, some like Infamous has, has added some firepower and even Aftershock picked up Woodley and Dizon, which I think is a good move for them. Yeah. Um, so kind of how do you think, uh, see things shaking down? You're not allowed to just say he's going to win every tournament because, you know, 
we got to talk about stuff. Just in regards <laughs> to how, how everybody performs? Yeah, no, just like who do you see kind of being – because obviously you guys are going to be a favorite. Right. You know, I mean, that's – Right, Obvious, right. but yeah. uh, you know, it'd be a fool to not put you guys in the hunt at every single event with the lineup that you guys have. But you know, who are you kind of looking at that are going to be your rivals this year that you plan on seeing? You know, Sunday afternoon. Um, I mean, I, I think that that's not really going to change much. I mean, you still got Impact Dynasty. I mean, I know Damage has had a rough off season. I mean, it's good to see them be back as a team. You know, but you still can't discount the quality of players they have. Yeah. Um, I mean, the next factor is still a good team, and then Infamous just reloaded with some good players too. So, I mean. Well, and it's also interesting, too, like, let's take damage, for instance. I mean, what sort of, you know, as, this game at its highest level is all mental. Yeah. I mean, yes, you have to have the physical ability to play the game at the highest level, but once you're there, that just kind of gets you through the door. And then what transpires out there is who's making the moves and who's using their knowledge and seeing the variables. And um, so knowing that, and then a lot of it does come down to motivation, you know, and kind of getting your head in, in the right place. And, and Damage had played some uninspired paintball for the past season or so. Still been up yeah. in the hunt, though, and playing really good. Yeah. And looking you like, can never count them out. That's no, you can never count them out. But it was really cool to kind of see them then faced with oblivion uh, choose to kind of stick with each other and try to make it work. Yeah. Uh, so they could come back pretty hot this year. Yeah, I mean, they might have more motivation than most teams just because they have something to prove. Like, you know. Yeah. Like they they were told they were done, and I was like, no, let's not make sure we're done. Like let's keep fighting, and I think that's great for paintball. You know, I mean, it sucks to see a team go away, especially a pro team. So it's just like, you know, more power to them, and good for them for still having the fight inside them. You know, yeah. And then uh, you know, and then and then with you know, team like Impact. I mean, they had they just came off their best year ever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, Tim, you're real familiar with Impact squad. Yeah, I know know a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they, you know, they they even added more firepower. Um, but then it kind of comes also to, you know, who's going to get the playing time on all these, on these big teams. So maybe we should talk about that a little bit. I mean, you guys are really stacked. I mean, there's not a guy on your roster that isn't, you know, a stud. So, I mean, how is Jason going to handle playing time? I mean, <laughs> I know it's a tough question. <laughs> I, 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 I guess Tim. we'll just be honest. I mean, the reality is that we hope, and you always hope you can go in and say we're going to play two lines. I mean, the way that Rusty did with Dynasty for a while, you play line one, line two, line one, mm-hmm. line two. And when things are going well, no one complains. I mean, when you're winning tournaments, you're winning games, everything's good. It doesn't matter. I mean, literally all ills go away, right? I mean, yeah, of course. That. Yeah, winning yeah. solves everything. Yeah. <laughs> but we do have the luxury of having an intelligent coach. So if he looks out there and says, hey, we're losing, we need to kind of consolidate things. These guys got to go out there. You know, and that's kind of a big talk for us is, is just saying, hey, you know, you could go to another team and you could be the one guy. You could be the guy that's out there every time or you can be a part of this team and you do what you got to do when, when your number's called. I mean, exactly. And you see it happen in every other professional sport. I mean, I was actually watching uh, Golden State the other day, um, the Warriors, and I watched Andre Iguodala come off the bench. And I'm like, I remember when this guy used to be like an MVP candidate. He's only 29 years old or something. But he's like, I just want to be part of a good team and contribute however I can. Yeah. And I think we have a lot of people on that same page right now. Yeah, and that's that's really good. As long, and that that's the thing is, is a lot of how you know playing time affects and ripples through the mentality of the team really has a lot to do with how guys are approaching that situation. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's really up to you. I mean, if you want to be bitter and angry and you know disagree with the coach and the leaders of the team and think you should be out there ahead of somebody else, well, that's that seed of negativity is is not necessarily going to be the best thing for yeah. you. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, I think, and that's happened in the past, or some guys didn't know how to do it where. You know they could make their game adjust, um, so they could still play on this team. So um, I remember, I mean, I, I had it right from the from the get go when we started with the team, and you know, I was like, okay, you guys got the three Russians, we're gonna play these two other guys, and we ended up finishing that year with only playing five guys at most of the event. And uh, people were like, what are you gonna do? And I'm like, you still gotta contribute somehow, some way. So it's just like 
that's anything I can tell anybody is just like make sure you stay focused. And if you really want it bad enough, or you want to be a part of a team that's gonna win, then you have to either you know accept the criticism, accept the fact that you know it's not like you can't just think one way. You have to be able to like think different ways and be able to adjust to things. Well, you you had, and you had to deal with that actually because yeah. when you came out and you weren't getting a ton of playing time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you kind of have to do double duty because you're you know team manager and stuff as well too. But yeah. then you got and then you kind of said, oh, I'm gonna retire. And then you, yeah, for a couple, yeah, a couple months or I was, whatever. I was burned out. I was over it. And I was just like, you know what? Like, and then. But I, then you came back and, and yeah. had a pretty good season. I mean, you yeah. got some spins and <laughs> Tim's over here. I had, had a few good hands. I had Tommy over there in one ear and then I had Tim in the other one being like, are you really going to quit? And I was like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm quitting. And like I had one night Tommy screaming at me. He's screaming at me about it. And then Tim's like, you're not quitting. He's like, this is what you're talking nodding about. nodding and smiling <laughs> over here. <laughs> so, no, I've had some good people along the way. And uh, it really got me back on track to a lot of things. And uh, the thing that I really had to look at was, okay, it wasn't like anybody owed me anything. Like I had to go out there and make, okay, you got to work harder than the next guy. And if I feel like if I'm playing better, then I got to be able to show that. And with me showing that, it's like, okay, you got to make sure that the coach wants to make sure that he has to have you out there. He has to be able to, okay, we have to take this guy to the event. And that's something I had to prove and I had to do it. And that, like, I'll go to bat for Jason all day long just because, like, that's what he pulled out in me. So it's just like, that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't know how to do or stand up for or even, like, really swallow, I guess you'd have to say. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's the coach and he's the coach for a reason. So you need to respect that. And need to, if it's, if that's his playing style, you got to be able to adjust to that. So, and I did pretty much just that just last year, but I still got a lot more to do and prove. So that's a good mentality to have. You know, Tim, it's a little bit different for you because you've been around for so long and played on a lot of top teams and had a leadership role in a lot of these teams. I also see you're kind of the guy that does give huddle speeches still, even on Heat. And how is it for you to have been in these leadership roles on different teams? And then now there's, you know, now you're kind of dealing with this situation where there's so many good guys and you got the coach and the owner and everyone needs to have their say. And, um, I mean, how do you deal with that? I mean, is it just organic, kind of something that's just natural? Um, or Yeah, I mean, I've kind of always done that. I mean, since I was in third grade, I've been the captain of most every single team I've played on at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's hard when you come to a new team, though, because you have to figure out the dynamic of it. Like, where do you fit in? What role do you have? I mean, I'm the first to admit that I struggled with that last year. I struggled with it on the field. I struggled with it off the field. I mean, and I felt like this off season, I kind of found a niche. You know, I've been able to figure people out, figure out where I fit in, what I need to do. Um, but you kind of just kind of trial and error with anything. You know, you're like, what does the team need to do? And then you maybe try doing that. Oh, that didn't help. Okay, maybe I do that. Oh, that helped. Yeah. You know, that's kind of all you can do. You just got to be proactive with it. So, well, looking back overall at the year last year, I mean, where do you see where was the deficiency? What was keeping you guys from excelling? Can you even put your finger on it, or is um, it one of those you know kind of yeah, elusive I mean, things? It, it is truly, honestly, you you take a team right and you put on five, six new players, and then you have a coach that's used to coaching one way, and you have guys who used to play in a whole another way, and everything was we played so many tournaments, and we just kind of struggled to ever get a good chemistry with each other. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, everyone has to take the ownership of we just didn't play well. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just I woke up one day and you know you, you get angry and you have this bitterness after a tournament like World Cup. You know, well, I played a crap. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do to fix it, you know, and, it's, and now I'm trying to be proactive and taking steps to to fit better into the team. Um, so I know we struggle with that a lot. You know, you bring on myself and Ryan and Greg and Thomas and Keith. And then you got guys that are finally getting a lot of play time, and everyone's just, oh, God, it's going so fast. Like, where do I go? What do I need to do? So, And I think we've got a better grasp of all that this season. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And then how is the new um, – you guys have been playing with True Semi for a little bit. You love it? I love it. I got done playing the first day, and I've been kind of involved with knowing it was going to happen for a while, just with you know the industry's had a lot of ideas about it. 
And I was like, man, this could go one of two ways. And I know you and I have talked about it. I was like, mm-hmm. this could either make it really, really bad or really good. And yeah. after we played for four days and we scrimmaged a lot on the weekend, yeah. I love it. I think this is what paintball is supposed to be. I mean, it's kind of weird. I can pull my trigger like 10 times, like four balls come out. But then when you kind of learn how to shoot it, I mean, it's just like shooting autococker in way back in the day. Mm-hmm. The game is so much better. We're shooting a little that. bit less paint. We're making moves and people are running through. I saw this one move where Ryan ran from the back corner all the way to the other guy's snake, and they still have four guys alive, and bunkered him out almost clean. He almost got him clean. And Greg looks over and starts shooting, goes, oh, my God, and just missed him. He's like, I just straight up missed him. And Ryan just ran so fast. you know. And that's the stuff that we want to see, and that's what paintball is to me. Whereas last year, we got in these habits of, well, I can cross up here and just look at that hole and shoot that hole. Yeah. And you sit and wait. And, and we tried well, no, and, and that And that's been, you know, because that's a lot of people are like, why does PSP keep changing things? This is stupid. We're going backwards. And it's like, look, I understand your sentiment. I get it. You know, yeah. I, I, it, it's very frustrating, especially if you're not in on the decision. You know, yeah. that's another reason, too, that, that people, you know, they, they get a little discontented about it, you know. But yeah. um, but at the same time, like paintball to me is about who's the best gunfighter, yeah. um, who's the best uh, strategist, yep. and uh, who's able to you know look at the variables and make moves. Like that's paintball, man. It's gunfighting. It's making moves. It's not – and which had, and with the way the guns had been for so long, and I think if you hadn't seen it before when it wasn't like this, you know, it'd be, it'd really come down to, all right, you're going to go to this bunker and you're just going to just, like you said, just shoot paint through this lane and just hold this lane down. Oh, yeah. And it became, it was still obviously a lot of strategy there, but right. it just kind of locked dudes into roles of like, it just, it limited the capacity for aggression. Yes. And that was what was kind of, that would drive me crazy. Yeah. Cause we'd have some field outs that just, you had defensive possibilities right. there. And then all of a sudden, you know, because of there's, it's only a race of seven points. So you can't throw points away. Yeah. Right. Then you just had guys play a little bit more conservative than I felt that they really needed to be like, or had, you know, they had more aggressive in the tank. Right. Yeah. I felt you know, that it really put a gray area on things as far as players go. <clears throat> like, I think now it's going to be black and white. I think you're going to see players who who really are talented, who can place one ball on somebody. Um, like, I use Mishka all the time, for example. That that guy can put one ball on anybody on the field at any point in time, and it's I think he's got one of the best shots in the game. Now I think that kids who are not X-ball babies, like you've seen in the past, where it's, they can sit and just roll their gun and run around, and they <coughs> all of a sudden get a pop shot on somebody and it works out. Now it's not going to be so easily like that. So like like he like like Tim just said, I mean you can make moves and the game's going to go faster and like yeah you're not going to be able to sit and wait, but that's fine. That's how X ball was never created is to sit and wait. Right. So I, I mean I think that there's the possibility of still winning defensively. I mean back in the day you saw a stranger lockout win mm-hmm. playing defensively and you'd see a hundred other teams try it and fail. Yeah. Right. Because you had to be really really good at it. Yeah. Whereas last year, everybody played defensively and somehow the most defensive teams kept succeeding. And I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that's where the game had become and it kind of got stale. Yeah. Whereas we just, you know, just on Saturday, I was like, okay, we're going to try to lock it up to see what happens. I'm like, I'll go here and look. That's a big gap. And that's a big gap. And all of a sudden I see Fedorov running this way and Chad running that way. I go, oh my God, we're already in a bad situation. Not playing, not playing <laughs> offensive. It's yeah. like literally just started. Well, and that's how the fields, I mean, a, a really good field should be set up so that if you get past the 50 yard line in the snake or past the 50 yard line in the D side, that is really going to cause you problems. Yep. And so if you have those moves that are open because, you know, paint is not, there's not as much paint being shot at guys, yep. it should open up those offensive capabilities of the players that have that in their minds. So. Yep. I would put your guys' team in a pretty good situation. I put, yeah. think so. The aggressive teams will love this format. 
because it, once it, they I, get I, over I, the like, oh my gun doesn't shoot the same as it yeah. used to. This is really frustrating. Well, that's the thing is with adjustment is like how talented are you? Like how, what can you really do to fix your game other than just having a machine gun in your hand? So I honestly didn't know what to think about it at first. And then like I remember talking with uh, Damian Ryan and Brad, and they're like, oh, you guys aren't going to be as good. You're not going to have coaching. And I'm like, we don't ever even practice with coaching. I'm like, this doesn't affect us whatsoever. So <laughs> I was like, it's actually better for us. And they're like. Oh, I mean, this right. plays to our strengths better. Yeah. Like last year, like he, I mean, just even going back to Philly, just the way Jason coaches, it's an aggressive team. We take a lot of ground. We're going to come get you, try to beat you to the 50s. That's the game plan. I mean, it's very different than impact, right? Yeah. Same one's better than the other, but that's just how he plays. Yep. And last year, you had a couple defensive fields, and, and it, we struggled adapting a little bit. You know, try, still trying to take ground, still trying to battle quick, make the first 30 second moves, and it was hard to win that way. Mm hmm. Whereas now, I mean, there's going to be a lot of big moves. It's like around the corner, go straight to the 50. You know, as soon as that guy gets in there, just get him, go get him, or go to, under the middle of their side. And then it's going to be hard to counter that with your gun. I mean, you're going to have to counter that by going and get the guy in. Well, and I think it's also going to create more dynamic gunfights. Oh, yeah. Because yep. when you look at the structure of the gunfight when the guns are shooting really fast, it's much harder to come back out on a guy and establish dominance yep. against him and when there's that much pain in the air at all times. Oh, and yeah. it, also, it's really easy to shoot your gun and load. Now we're facing a situation where, I mean, and Tim, you'll probably remember this, and Chad, you're probably old enough to play these games, but it used to be that that was, that was difficult, you oh, know? Yeah. And so, you know, the, that, the whole structure of the gunfight and how much you're able to head check and, you know, and, and how accurate your shots are really kind of determine your dominance yeah. in those positions. Yeah. And I think that we're going to see more exciting gunfights if you, you know, it's, and it's tough because if, if people don't know what they're looking at and they're watching a gunfight, it's kind of like when you're watching MMA and you're seeing a jujitsu match. You know, it's two guys and they're in a bunker, so there's no one's like leaping and flying and diving and doing crazy moves or running guys down. But if you know what you're watching, it becomes pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. You know, so I think that um, this is going to allow guys to be, you know, a little bit more active in their gunfights. There's just going to be less paint at you. It's yeah. harder to establish dominance once you do have a guy in. Yep. You know, I mean, you're not going to be able to put a wall of paint at that guy to keep him in and, you know, keep the wall of paint going while you're just dumping well, pot after pot after pod. You know, so I think that that's going to create a really cool yeah. thing I love to see. it. I mean, I think it's going to be an exciting season. There's going to be a lot of really good games. Yeah. And I do think I agree with Yaya where I think the better teams, it's going to increase the gap. I oh, think yeah. some of the gap got filled in by, by the ability to just shoot your gun and cross up. And I'm not saying that it isn't a skill or it is a skill, but I'm saying that it a lot of, let's say, a team coming up saying, well, let's just play defensive and we'll chop this team coming up, which a lot of teams have won a long time like that. Mm -hmm. But it got to a point where it was becoming too easy. And it was who could outweigh the other team. And I don't know if that's what this format was ever supposed to be. I would say no. You know, I mean, you, you create something and it's really tough to predict exactly right. what it's going to be. You right. know, you create something and then you play it out and, and then you're going to have to see how it right. is, which is honestly why things keep getting changed. Right. Yeah. You know, things keep getting changed because we don't feel we're at that, you know, pinnacle right. of, of the format. And it will continue to change until right. we feel that we have something that is the best that it possibly yeah. can be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I do really feel I, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, one, which teams adapt to it quicker to what type of aggression individuals can pull out um, and then how it changes the dynamic between players, you know, because the way that the game is played, you have, you know, and we talked about the, I talked about this on Grayson's spreecast um, uh, for his BKA stuff. And somebody asked a question. I can't remember exactly what the question was, but we were talking about how, you know, the ones set the pace in the tempo. The first, the front attackers set the tempo for everything, yeah. you know, because how the two and what the three does and how it just, you know, it's a chain reaction. So if your one's not up there and setting the pace and the other, the other one, the other first attacker 
on the other team is more proactive and doing a good job, not getting shot and making, you know, his, his bumps up, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that it's incredibly important. So, but then also the dynamic between the ones and the twos, you know, how is that going to affect it with the, with the communication? So that, you know, the fact that you can't really get any input from anything other than your teammates on the field and that you're not going to have the ability, which does, you could say hurt your team a little bit more. Cause you guys had the luxury of being able to play the fields, right. you know, just play the hell out of the fields and, and yeah. really figure out by through trial and error, what's working and what's not. Um, which kind of leads us into kind of the next part of the conversation, which is the field walking element of it, which, you know, you guys have a lot of guys on your team and, and a dedicated coach, um, because I really feel that the way that the coach is going to play into things now is a much more integral part of, of, uh, of what's happening because, you know, you guys are going to go out, you're going to walk fields on Thursday, and then you got to come up with game plans. And if that doesn't work, you're going to have to audible right away, and you're going to have to be able to figure out what's working and what's not. So before you had, okay, we got to play one, two, and three, and all right, well, we know two works the most. We're going to start with that. It's our strongest play. Like, you don't have that option anymore. So yeah. you're going to have to kind of like just roll those dice and, and see if it works and then fi- figure things out from there, which – but so, yeah, you guys don't have the luxury of playing. You're still playing, obviously, a lot, but you're not going to have those game plans mastered. But you guys have so many extra guys that even if they're not out there are still going to be have a ton of experience yeah. in you know, changing things on the fly. Yep. And then Jason, obviously, has been doing this for a long time, too. So I think you kind of, even where it kind of takes a little bit of your strength away from the game plan, or from you know, having played those and mastered those plays, to it still have some strength there because you have all that input from these really right. smart players. Yeah. But it's going to be kind of crazy to see how that works. It will. Yeah, I mean, the one thing, too, that's good now about having all those players is that you have depth. So we don't have time for trial and error. So it's like, oh, God, it's not getting done. We'll put that guy in. It's like, oh, sorry, Chad, you're not playing that well. I guess we'll allow Fedorov to go play over there. (laughs) (laughs) I think we'll be okay with things like that. And we have so much depth at every position, and it gives us the luxury of adapting on the fly, where some of the teams are like, well, now what? If you've got five strong players, that's awesome. But let's say one of them's not playing that well or the field's not working for them, put you in a tough situation. So we have a lot of adaptability with that. And then we have a lot of intelligent minds, like you're saying, that can sit there and watch the game and say, hey, we kind of got to do this a little bit better. We got to go here a little bit better. Yeah. You know, and as long as we can get in all this is hypothetical. Right? Yeah. As long as, we, as, yeah. long as we can get everybody on the same page and saying, you know, I'm, I'm really committed to the team winning. Mm-hmm. Right. Now you have people that have, I think we have enough people that could go coach any other pro team. I mean, they have enough experience where you'd be like, okay, I wouldn't mind him being my coach. Mm-hmm. So as long as we can put all that together, I mean, you're having like a brainstorming session on the fly. So, I mean, that's, that's a big benefit for us. Yeah. Do you guys do one-on-ones at your practices? Yeah. Oh, yeah. One-on-ones, two-on-twos, three-on-threes. We do a lot of situational stuff, individual skills. Who, who's the one-on-one king for Heat? Um, Mishka's good. Mishka's pretty good at him. Getting, um, getting some nods over here from Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to say if if, if I had to pick the first guy to go out there, it'd probably be him or Malloy. Yeah. Yeah, Malloy. Yeah. We haven't really seen Malloy a lot. I've seen him play enough. No, no, <laughs> 12 he's got to bring it in. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, got it. He's... <laughs> Yeah. Like, when it gets $100, we do a little tournament. Mishka's probably one of the most. Ooh, little $100 yeah. tournament. Yeah. little one-on-one tournament. Yeah, that uh, infamous in there. Sam's pretty good, too, though. Yeah. yeah. Sam doesn't yeah. lose a lot of one Yeah. What you guys, I mean, yeah. you have, I mean, you almost could just draw him out of a hat and probably put a really solid one-on-one yeah. I mean, line out there. But, uh, yeah, infamous, the, the weight, because when they went to their one-on-one, the, the craziest one-on-ones that we've ever seen, um, against Dynasty, and they ended up winning it. He picked them because he knew who his one-on-one studs are because they had a winner-gets-dinner tournament and, uh, in, in the week leading up to it. And so he just went with that line, except for Bobby, because Bobby had felt he got cheated by Oliver in that last point, so he <laughs> demanded that he get put out first. So <laughs> it's kind of crazy how that story went down for those guys. But um, So, yeah, so you'd have to say, Mishka, what would your, who would you send out, Tim? 
Top three? Give me your top five. Oh God, I don't know if I can go that far. That's I can't. I can't go that far. I, I go Mishka one though. Okay. Probably Sam two. After that, you could probably almost pull him out of a hat. I don't know though. The new format's different. I mean, like Ryan. Ryan was pretty good at him because he'd say gun dominant in the one on ones. Just never let you come out. Take ten tubes and kind of like Oliver. How is it going to be now? I don't know. It's so hard to say gun dominant sometimes. Yeah, that really that changes up the one on one the situation too oh, yeah. as well because it goes back to that gunfighting thing. Oh, yeah. You know, so we're gonna might see some crazy you know uh, ring around the rosy one on ones yeah. where guys are just making those moves, or it might even add it where you know that the play on the flag comes a little bit more into it, and yeah. you know less trying to win that gunfight and then go get the flag and more playing to the, where the flag is. Yeah, Greg. About Greg, I forgot yeah. about Greg. I actually thought about Greg this same yeah. time. Well, who would you put out, Ted? I mean, mine's mine's gonna be Mishka just because I know how good of a gunfighter he is. And then uh, I honestly would probably put out um, Alex next. Oh, Malloy. Yeah, um, we don't call him Malloy. We call him Alex. So you call him Alex. Yeah, um, that's his Russian nickname. Is that, that's his actual name. <laughs> so yeah, well, I know Alex is his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Does anyone know how he got the nickname Malloy? Yes, it means small boy. And so when everybody was bigger than him, when he was, he actually just told me this like two days ago. He was a Kid. Yeah, he's like, eh, everybody called me small boy. And I was like, I'm not going to call you small boy. So, <laughs> yeah. Really? That's yeah. what it is? Yeah, he's like yeah. almost 30. You don't yeah. want to be called that. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, I guess uh, maybe we shouldn't be calling him small boy. That's anymore. what I told him. I was like, no longer is your name. It's so, like at dinner like the other night. I was like, his name's Alex. I'm like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, no, that's what we call him from now on. So Yeah, he's earned it after all this time. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah for sure. Um, it would probably be Mishka and Malloy. And then, um, yeah, I don't know from there. Uh I mean, Sergey's gun dominant. I mean, he's a good gunfighter too. Uh, but Sam has been clutched so many times for us, like in the last three years. Like he stays calm more than most people, and he gets a job done. Well, he shot Malloy. I'm sorry, Alex. Yeah, and, uh, and for your first win. Yeah, yeah, in Phoenix. That's what I'm saying. So it's just like, I mean, you could, like like Tim even said, you could put any of those guys out there or any one of us and just be like, okay, this guy's gonna get the job done. So. I don't know. I'd, I'd probably just stick with Mishka as my number one, though. Well, I did see um, – God, I was watching the thing that Bear put up about you, where you guys went and played some rec ball. At, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was our first time, the Russians' first time playing rec ball. Get out of here. I'm yeah, not even they kidding. They have no fields like that. Like, Fedorov was what? like, maybe yeah. I need to stop playing special paintball and just do this because yeah. this is so fun. Fedorov's mind was blown. <laughs> he was Get like, out of yeah. here. He's like, I've never played, like, recreational paintball like this. And Bear has a sweet fields for them to like first start out. I'm like, they were yeah. spoiled. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's And I was like, like oh, man, this yeah, is they sweet. They never played fields like that. That's great. Yeah. Really? Because yeah. I mean, like, I've s- Fed off City's only really played on airball fields. For real? Yeah. That, well, I know he did get like cherry picked out of like some athletic system yeah. or something to come From on high school. Team yeah. When, he, yeah, when he was yeah. like 14 yeah. or 15. <laughs> they got put on the list. Come here. <laughs> yeah, so that is, that is interesting. But you know, after seeing, I don't know if anyone's ever seen, seen those uh, videos of those uh, big games they play in uh, Russia. Yeah. With like real explosions yeah. and like all this, yeah. Sergey was telling me that he was like, it was like a thousand on a thousand, and he was like, it's so scary. <laughs> did he go? Did he go play? I don't that? think he's ever played it. I think he's just like seen it and stuff like that. So. Yeah, because I mean, I figure I don't know. Maybe if I lived over there, I'd go do that. that would yeah, be, I mean, I, I think for them, games. it's just different though. They're gonna go play paintball. It's to train for paintball. Yeah, they, they call it. It's yeah. training and go home. <laughs> like you drive, train, go home. So yeah. I mean, is there still any? Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about that. But uh, the, is there any joy still in this for you guys? Like fun and joy? I mean, or is oh, this still more about like I'm the more work excited. and just no? I'm more excited about this year in. than I ever have been. Like to be honest with you, it's just like it's so much fun to just go out there and be like, okay, I play paintball. I can go all over the world and just, like hang out with like everybody on my team is like my best friend. So it's like 
it's you get to do the like the most fun stuff ever, and then just be with your friends all the time. So it also seems like you guys make a a point of doing stuff, team activities yes. other than paintball. I actually kind of build a camaraderie and keep it. I learned that from keep Tim. it light, keep it fun. Yeah, before he was even on my team, I learned that from him. like. It's more than just the game is why you go do all this. So it's for the stories to tell and, like, everything else. And, like, he oh, taught yeah. me a lot about that. And, I don't know, we just try to make it a point. Like you said, like, what, what did we do last year with uh, running the bulls? Yeah, we went to Pamplona and went running with the bulls. <laughs> like, I'll never oh, forget. Like, yeah, yeah. We always try to do life. things like that together, especially when we go to Europe. You know, it yeah. brings everyone together. Yeah, um, we had Blake on here, and he had – Blake did one of the best podcasts I think I've ever done. Did you? I don't know if you guys. Got no, a I listened to, to it. Yeah, yeah Blake's he, a sweet dude. Yeah, Blake's. I mean, he, dude, he was talking about almost dying, getting gored by a bull. That's when we actually you know, he met up with us. Yeah, I was he had gonna a say, black guy, yeah. and like a horn, like from stabbing him in the back. In France. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh man, was, he's been through yeah, a rough one. It was, it was crazy. Then he met up with us, and we went out and we partied one night. And he's like, oh my god, he's like, I gotta go home. I gotta go home. This place is crazy. Yeah. Well, then he went and hiked Hadrian's yeah, Wall. Yeah, I know, for like yeah, a yeah. week. Yeah. yeah, and that was a crazy story, too, because he, he had no money. Yeah. He was completely out of money. And, and then he lost rent, his phone. Yeah, and he lost his phone, so he had no <laughs> way to get money. And there's people who owed him money that they didn't pay the money, so yeah. he was like screwed. And then he was, so he was hiking Hadrian's Wall with no cash. So he was eating like wild blackberries and oatmeal. <laughs> and that was all he had for like three days. He, he lived like a bear, like eating <laughs> wild, wild berries and hiking with like a big ass pack. And, that, and then, like, I think like uh, he would bef- befriend other hikers and they'd notice that he had no food and they'd be like, Do you I, want some of our I food? I felt like, so bad because we were out in uh, Bilbao and we're hanging out. He gets up like seven in the morning. I look over. I was like, Where are you going? He's like, I got to go, dude. Like where he's like I gotta go hiking. I was like, Ugh. yeah. And I look over and he's like, fuck, I lost my phone. And then he leaves and his pillow's still there. He's got like his long sleeve shirt still on the ground and he's gone. And I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna have a horrible, horrible week in terms of he lost his money, everything else. So he had a good time though. He's a sweet dude. He might he's be one of the guy. most humble guys I've ever seen play on yeah. Dynasty. Yeah, like he's a sweet. dude. I had a real good time hanging out. Yeah, yeah, he's a really good guy. He's yeah. another one of those because um, a lot of the kids see teams like yours and like, oh, these guys get paid to play and that's gonna be me one day and. Um, and you guys have all earned the right to, to do that. But it's like you said earlier, you know, you're talking about things you can do other than paintball because yeah. even if you do end up on a Houston heat or an impact, I mean, you're still really not making like the type of money that you need to make to have like a, a life yeah. long term. It's an awesome thing. And, you know, it's a noble achievement that you guys did that. But that's one of the reasons I like Blake as a story, because one, he's a super awesome guy. Two, yeah. he didn't get to play pro till like late and deep pretty deep into his 20s yeah, yeah. and he'd been playing for a long time playing pump playing just for fun and and he you know and he has a trade you know so i'm like if you want to look up to somebody look up to blake yeah you know learn a trade work to, to, if you really have a dream you'll eventually achieve it if you yep. work hard enough and and you're you know and you really want to do that yep yeah where's the coolest place that you guys went last year like best trip last year mm, as a team yeah uh, probably when we went running with the bulls. Yeah, Spain yeah. was. Well, sweet. tell me about the running with the bulls story. I want to hear it. Did, any, did you guys almost get killed too, like Blake or what? Oh man, he well he had his situation in France. Yes. So he went to France before and then got gored there. Yeah, in, in, a, in a, <laughs> like in a ring. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. when we were in in London, he was like having anxiety attacks. He's like, man, I don't know if I can. Go he scared this. me. He scared me. He's like, yeah. tell me about it. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. If he got that messed up, I was so like, he's way faster than me. We've been <laughs> planning it for a little while to go to Spain after London. Just it's. Price-wise, time-wise, it was perfect to go. So we're like, okay, we're going to go to Bilbao, hang out there. I don't really know what's there, but it looks like a good city. So we partied there for a while, then we drove a bus, or rode a bus to Pamplona. And I've never seen a place like this. Like, I've been to Mardi Gras. I've been in New York. I've been to Amsterdam for New Year's. 
and I'm talking like a sea of tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people at one time, packed into streets, drinking the, was it the Camachos, the yeah. wine and Cokes, and they're going everywhere, and they party from sunup to sundown, literally. Like they're up till seven in the morning, partying still. Then they'll go to bed for five hours and get up and do it all again. And so we get there and we're like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. I'm watching these videos of people getting gored. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't sweat bullets. Uh, Yeah. And then Wade got done telling his (laughs) stories and I'm like, oh my God, I don't really get anxiety, right? And we start having an anxiety attack. And so actually my heart's racing. Is this the day day of or like the day before? The day before we're out walking the course, right? So you're like, all right, you got to walk the course because you don't want to make the wrong turn. And if the bulls get separated and you're alone, that's when you get messed up. Yeah. So we're like walking the course. Or like, okay, we can go here. We gotta go left. You gotta stay tight to this wall. <laughs> yeah. And so then that night we're all like, we're not drinking. We're getting up early. We're gonna go there, get a good spot. So we all go to bed early. We wake up at like five in the morning. We're out there like what, four hours early. And we're standing in this ring. And then all of a sudden they start going, okay, everybody get closer and closer together. And we're like, oh my god. I remember. Yeah, I looked right at Tim and I was like. Dude, we're done for if they keep us this close. Like, they're going to come through and roll us down like bowling balls. <laughs> so they, they put you in this little pen, and they make you watch this video of everyone getting gored and messed up and things to say. They make safe. you watch this yeah. video? Yeah. It's Our like, one buddy from San Francisco who used to play paintball had anxiety attack. goes, I can't do it. Jumped out of the ring. Stopped. And <laughs> just ran out and goes, I'm done. I'm out. And so then five minutes before the Bulls go, they open up this little door and they go spread out. And it's whoever can get the best spots first. And so we're running. We're oh, my God. There's no spots left. Like, you don't want to be standing in the middle of the road when these things come around. So this guy is like... Like a hide a spot? Like a, yeah, like a like you duck want, into you a, like like a doorway? Like or, alley, like, I mean, I've seen the videos yeah. of it, but I thought maybe at least... And I've heard the stories, but it seems like you're just supposed to keep ahead of the bulls, right? I mean, well, or you're, is, Yeah, it's kind of part of it is like... So what happens is they release the bulls. You could try to stay ahead of them, but you'll really never stay ahead of them. You have to cheat and go way halfway down. But they're so fast, it's almost impossible to stay ahead of them. But what it is is there's four bulls and four steers. So the steers come up and they, they guide the bulls. But if you stay between them, that's how you make it into the arena. You know, all the stuff where everyone's laying there and you jump over and everyone's cheering. But you got to stay between them because if you get behind the steers, then they'll close you out at each section. So we're like, okay, we want to get a good spot, but you don't want to get in the corner and that's where you get messed up. So me and Yaya are standing there and we're like counting down. My heart's racing. <laughs> and I go, oh my God. And then they go, boom, and you hear this gun and you hear nothing. You're dead silent the whole town. You just hear it. And my heart is just going a million miles an hour. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we lean back into the wall, and I'm as tight as I'm like, oh, my God. And you're, and they're just flying by you. And I look around the corner, and you see the steers coming up, right? And so the bulls just ran by you like bullets. So which are scarier, the steers or the bulls? Well, the bulls are bad because they're big. They'll mess you up. But they're the steers, huge. <laughs> the steers have the big horns, and they'll kind of go like solo. And they're, they're like, they're just roaming. Just human right? hunting. Yeah. yeah, and if you get trapped in corner, man, he's like, I'm not letting you mess with the bulls. I'm going to put you down. So I see him come around the corner. The bulls just passed us. And I'm like, we made it through like round one. And I look at Yag. I'm like, it's go time. And we just start running, right? And I'm sprinting. <laughs> it was awesome. And I, and I hear the steers going this way. And I've seen the bulls. I come around the corner. And there's a sea of like 100 people. And people bloody, like mauled. Because the, Instantly, the, just the bulls blood come around the corner so fast. They slam into people. And people are bleeding. And they're like, stop. And I'm like, no way, bro. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like carrying like a football, which is my newspaper. <laughs> and I'm pulling like spin moves on people. I'm not very fast. And I'm like, I got to get to the stadium, man. And you look back. Back and they're just catching up to you, and all of a sudden you hit like another gear. I don't know where I lost him. I don't really care about him. But I lost, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, at some point, yeah. And I'm like, stiff. yeah, T-work is out the door yeah. at that point, <laughs> there's right? Like, there's like women and children. I'm like, stiff arm, and I'm like, get out of my way. And then you make it into the stadium, and there's like what twenty thousand people, and they're just going yeah and cheering you. 
and your heart's racing, and it's it's it was awesome. It was crazy. Like some people don't make it in though, because if you get behind the if you get behind the steers, then each section there's like six sections they'll lock you off just for safety reasons. So you got to kind of stay between. Oh, trying to keep everybody safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, like, you know. yeah, it's a super <laughs> safe activity. There's... You already made it through one. They don't want you to get trampled again. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. crazy, dude. Then you get in there and everyone's just partying and cheering. And then they, all the bulls that make it in, they release them one at a time. And you can play with them. I don't know why they're like that. Did in the arena. Like you just run. Oh, we're like yeah. epic fail. Like we're Blake yeah, epic it's failed. So yeah. dangerous. And yeah. It was a chat. Yeah. So there's a one time there's this fence and I go, I'm out there and I'm like, man, I just saw this guy get his pants ripped off. Like literally the bull grabbed him, somehow missed his thigh, grabbed his pants and ripped his whole pants off. And the guy just stood there. I'm like, dude, there's no, it's lawless. There's nothing. They have the horns. They'll, they'll mess you up. There's an ambulance on the corner. I go, I think I'm done, dude. I'm done playing with the bulls. I'll get on the other side and I'll watch like front row. And then Chad goes, Chad George goes, hey, man, um, if the bull starts coming at me, get out of the way because I'm going to jump over the fence. I'm like, yeah, totally. That's, that way you'll be, you'll be safe with me. <laughs> this is so sweet. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, man, that bull's coming right at me. <laughs> and I'm just looking at the bull. And this guy here just go, get out of the way. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I look over and this guy jumps over the fence face first into the concrete wall and just Thump, right? And he's going, oh, my head. I'm like, dude, that guy's messed up. I go, oh, it's Chad George. Oh, it's Chad George. <laughs> and the bull the biggest like, lump on his head like all week. It's so unsafe. It's so awesome. did the bear, or not the bear, uh, did the bull just like check him into the No, the like wall, he or? stayed in front of it. So the bull kind of like eyeball up someone. And he's like, you're getting it, dude. And so Chad's like, oh, my God. And he comes running. I'm like, man, <laughs> that guy's going to get it. But I'm so focused on seeing this bull. He's so big. I completely ignore the fact that I'm in Chad's way. And he just jumps over the fence. Like, it's like as he jumps over the fence, you just hear a crash as the bull run into the wall. And I'm like, oh, I totally screwed <laughs> that one up. I dropped the ball. <laughs> yeah. He was like, just, he looks down. He's like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> and he's just like, that doesn't work out for me. Yeah. So after it was over, did you just have this like triumphant rush of like sur- I felt survival? Invincible. I felt so like what? I could do anything in life after that. And then we were like, like after survive. it's done, you go meet at this bar. Like, we were going to meet at a bar and have like a. Celebratory beer like eight in the morning, and everyone's just like hearts are racing. You're like, oh my god, oh my god! It's like the day when you finish high school, you finish all your last exams, like this relief. Yeah, it's almost like that because I mean, got that eighty pounds. You were pounds, getting so pounds yeah. off your, your life, like because what was it the day before? The guy who wrote a book from Chicago. Yes, he he got he, gored. Yeah, yeah, he wrote a book on how to survive Pamplona, and then like we like look on the wall and there's this huge blood mark, and that's why he tells us where it happened at, and I'm like. Oh my god! Like, what did you say? The guy like he talked to the bull. He looked at the bull, and the bull gave him two options. <laughs> it's pretty much like that. Like, they'll corner you. They'll corner you. So if you don't get smashed when they come around the corner, then what happens is when they get separated, they get scared, and so they'll kind of look at them. And it's almost like the bull saying to the dude, like, "Listen, man, you got two choices. You can run, and I'm going to mess you up, or you can just stay here and take it, and I'm going to mess you up." And it's like you have a choice because either way, you're getting worked over. Whenever he, they they sight you up, and you're one on one. And you have nowhere it's, to, yeah, they, nowhere they, to they, run, they nowhere to run, nowhere to go time. They it's, tell you to curl up it. in a ball and, and protect your vital organs and just take it. That's what that's a on lot the video. A of people come behind you and like they'll pull on his yeah. tail, but that's, there was nobody helping that guy at all. They're yeah. like, you "That's the on book. the video." The video <laughs> basically just says, "You're done for. Take it." <laughs> and like we watched the guy get like a horn, like he got gored through his leg, and it like it like went up his leg, and I was like, "Okay, this might be it for me." Like it was a career ender right there. Oh, if you're gonna so get fun. And then Mama D sending us message. She's like, "I can't lose half my team to, to the Bulls in Spain." <laughs> yeah, yeah. She says, "Just let me know." And I'm like, "We're all alive." Oh my god. She's like, "Okay, yeah. go on." It was intense, and that's why everyone just like crazy after they celebrate so hard because like we're alive and a lot of it is like the thing is like like tim said we didn't drink before the night before 
But these people are up all night getting so wasted they can barely walk. And they, they're just – it's more the people that get hurt because of the other people, not because of the bull. I mean, yeah. the bull sucks. I mean, it's the crowd that will, will mess yeah. you up, too. Yeah, so yeah. you have to worry about the bull, and you have yeah. to worry about the drunk yeah. crowd yeah. because the dude could eat it in front of you, yeah. and then it's yep. now it's you not gotta, really your you bad. You have to be alert. You really need to be like on yeah. point or you'll get hurt. Yeah. yeah. It's sweet, though. If you can that, survive, that it's That sounds like, awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what made you guys – were you just like, yeah, we're going to do running the bulls? Uh, Tim, um, Tim called me. He's like, uh, you're not going to be a little bitch, and you're going to go. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm always trying to work on a bucket list. I don't have a bucket list, but I see things. I'm like, that's on my imaginary bucket list. I was going to say, you seem, at, with all the travels, and yeah. as long as I've known you, you seem like you have so, you're somebody that would have a bucket list. Yeah, I, I don't. I just like, honestly, you're like, checking your imaginary yeah. bucket list off pretty hard. <laughs> that's how it is. It's like ongoing. I, there's this one time we wanted, there's this huge cliff in Norway, and me and Jesse Cornell and Ryan Moorhead were like, we're going there. When? Two weeks. And then we went to the event. We booked a change of tickets, and we just went and hiked around Norway. And then so I called him. I was like, we're going to Spain. And I was like, wow. I'm like, we're running with the bulls. And they're like, no, we can't do that. Like, oh, we're so doing you're, it. you were the one that sucked oh, everyone Oh, out. he's the guy that every time would be like, hey, we're going to yeah. do this. If there's an adventure, count me in. <laughs> yeah, he'll do it. Well, where else did you go this year? Because you were – every time I talked to you, you'd be like, um, oh, I just came back from here or yeah, see a Facebook post there. I went, to, I went to China in January – last January. I went to China to go to the Great Wall. So I went there for a couple of days, and we uh, just bumped around Beijing. Um, I was at, I was at a Chinese restaurant. There's one like in this crappy little Chinese restaurant in Latrobe, and I go, man, the Great Wall looks sweet. I'm gonna go there. Then like three we went three months later, I took my girlfriend and we went. Nice. And then went to Thailand a couple of times. Uh, went to South Africa. Stayed there for two weeks. Went all over Europe. Um, I don't know where else I went. Canada. We went to, oh, I guess you didn't go to Barcelona with us. Yeah, I didn't have time to go to Barcelona. After Germany, we went to Barcelona, and uh, they were like, what are you guys going to do? And I'm like, we were just there to see whatever we could. And uh, that was a pretty good time. We got pretty wild. So Greg Sewers usually got the most wild. <laughs> On every adventure I've been with him, he's, he's, really? he's the wild. Sewers is the wild man? I swear, he's like the it's man. It's like, like loose too, Yeah, it's like his conservativeness, but like... He's such a good dude, and it's just like... Yeah, I love Greg Sewers. I just... Yeah. And I, I mean, Greg Sewers is a lot of fun. He's a really good, fun dude. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just... Out of your wild-ass crew, I just... I, I didn't... I would have picked him. I'm I wouldn't always, have picked him as the, the wild one. I, most of the time, he just does it on the first night, because then he feels, like, bad. Like, he's like, why did I do that? Like, I, I shouldn't act like that. And I'm like, no, it's cool, dude. That's awesome. He's like, no. He's well, like, when, come when and me and Ryan man. Smith went to Malaysia, he was the wild man. Greg was the wild man yeah. every night. Seven in the morning, he's coming back. Let's go, boys. I'm yep. like, oh, my God, I got to go work soon. Is it because he, like, goes and lives that, like, stoic Spartan yeah. lifestyle? <laughs> just know, drink, just eats protein shakes and just, just, just drinking raw eggs. And, and, yeah. <laughs> I just, don't. you know, out there bench pressing cars. And then yeah. that's his, like, Pretty much, blow man. it off time. He'll let it go for a couple of days. He's fun. <laughs> he's sweet. Like, and we have a wild man on our team. Shout out to Ryan Moorhead. But, uh, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> Ryan Moorhead's pretty wild. Uh, he's our wild man, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, Greg's the uh, he's up there. Who's the <laughs> wildest out of the Russian crew? Uh, we kind of discovered mm-hmm. that the other night. When, I it's, think, when it's go time, Fedorov gets. Yeah, great. I like it. I like it when it's when it's go time. Like you're out, and it's like, all right, guys, tonight's the night. Most of the guys are pretty go. quiet. Yeah. Where they'll be like, well, Sergey, like some people don't think he like really speaks a lot of English, but you get a few drinks in him. He'll talk to you like full blown conversation, and he'll be like, "I love you, bro." <laughs> and I'm like, all right, <laughs> but. Uh, Mishka is probably the conservative, well, more conservative. He's conservative, yeah. Um, with Alex, yeah, we haven't really got to experience that. But uh, Fedorov's definitely the, the the wild banshee of those four. So it's pretty sweet, too. Well, I mean, he likes dance. to travel, too. Yeah. He's kind of experienced. He loves the adventure. I'm wondering who is the most traveled paintball player ever? Oliver Ryan. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to say it's got to be Oliver or Ryan. I think, I think Ryan might be chasing Oliver from the past. I'm just like, yeah, Oliver slowed down well, a little bit lately. 
I don't think so, dude. I mean, the past two off seasons, Oliver hasn't even been in the United States. He's yeah, gone he, and like lived in the jungle. The, did he do it this year? Though? Yeah, really. Yeah, he went to Germany for. I don't oh know how yeah, long. yeah. That's First, right. he went to Germany for like a couple weeks, maybe like three weeks, and then he. I think he went straight from Germany back to the jungle again down in South America. That's wild. And he's been in the jungle again. I mean, if you don't, if you don't believe me, go and check out his Facebook posts. I mean, at one point, one of them was like he decided that he had you know had enough of electronic leashes, and so he dumped a thing of water on his laptop and threw his phone into the jungle or something like that. <laughs> good, good for him. So He's fun to travel. Yeah. We, we went to Bali before together. We All of us. Yeah. I traveled for a month straight with him and uh, Mr. Yu around um, Scandinavia. Yeah. And that was probably the greatest trip I've ever had. Yeah. I think I've only been on the adventure with him in Germany. And he was like, he's like, just all about like, just like, let's do whatever. Let's like, he's like, there's no plan. Let's just do it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> that is a huge draw to what we do. I mean, yeah. oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, the opportunities that, are un- unbelievable. Yeah. And then, even I mean, even if even if you're just playing the circuit here in the states, you know, even without the international, I mean, yeah, you're not going to the greatest places. You can go to sometimes, you know, and you're going, you're not going to. Um, well, Europe's sweet. Yeah, well, you <laughs> know, like, exactly, Europe's sweet. But I mean, but even still, like, let's say you're just from a small town in say Mississippi, and you get oh, on a yeah. tournament team, and even if you're just traveling around the United yeah. States for oh, a couple yeah. of years, like, you're going to learn a lot oh, about yeah. how life is and how oh, yeah. people are. You grow up real fast. Yeah, you grow up real fast. Yeah, you learn a lot of skill sets traveling. Yeah, you learn a lot of skill sets that you can't learn in school. Yeah, oh, definitely tough and jump. There's no bit. school for that. <laughs> it's no. like you learn, you it. live, and you learn. No, no, for sure. I've survived in a lot of places with not a lot of things, but just what's the worst? What's the worst trip you've ever been on? The worst trip? Oh, man. I've actually – so maybe like 11 years ago when my first year as pro, we went to play this term Acapulco, and they invited all these people. It was like Brian Cole was there, Brad Mon was there, Luis Soya, Tyler Humphreys. No one knew who this guy was. He just called everyone up, and he's like, hey, if you want to come down to Mexico, I'll buy your ticket, play this tournament. Everyone's like, well, that seems kind of fishy. Well, here's my information. So we give that random information to this random Mexican dude. All of a sudden, there's a ticket in our email, right? I'm like, okay, so we all get in. Me and Jason have gone, and we find a Mexico City. I'm like, is it tournament Mexico City? No, it's in Acapulco. That's like the other side of Mexico. Yeah, that's like, yeah. oh, we're going to go to San Diego. Oh, no, sorry, it's in Louisiana. Yeah, you know? pretty much. I mean, so we, we get in the bus, and, I mean, there's 50 people, and I don't know who most of them are. And they're like, oh, here's a couple cases of beer. We'll be there in a little bit. Okay. I'm like a kid. I drink all this beer. At some point, I pass out. I black out. I don't know. I show up in this tournament in Acapulco. I'm like, I have no idea even in where the world I am back then. And then everybody's partying. Like, Lasoya's like hosting this party, and everybody's out. Like, literally, if there's a thousand players in the tournament, 999 were at this at this tournament. <laughs> and I wake up the next day, and like, I'm more experienced now. I understand how things are, my limits. But when you're 19, you don't know that. I wake up in this random hotel, and I'm like, oh my god, what time is it? I'm like, oh my god, it's two o'clock. The tournament starts at 10. I go downstairs. There's like one other guy waiting, right? Everybody else is still passed out. Like no one else. The tournament didn't even start till four o'clock that afternoon. <laughs> so we show up there and they're like, okay, you're going to play eight games. And I remember looking at Tyler Humphreys, like, I'm not even playing. There's zero chance. Like, you got to play. The guy falls down. He goes, nope. <laughs> he goes, I need some water. And they go, ah, we didn't pick up the water today. No water at the tournament. They're like, oh, we got these hot beers for you to drink. Oh my so God. BC's over there drinking these like warm Mexican beers. Like I can't, I can't get hydrated. I can't talk. I, I'm laying here. And then so what happens, we play like for the day, and then the guys are like, you know, we got to get up early tomorrow. You guys got to put on a show for everybody. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, we understand. Obviously, the same thing happened again. And then finally the guy goes, it's Saturday. Canceling the tournament. What? No one's showing up. Everyone's drunk and passed out. Like all 50 teams. We're like, what? Cancels the tournament, puts everyone on a bus, drives everyone back to Mexico City, right? The fights aren't for two days. Leads us to Mexico City. 
and just says, see you later, gets in his car and drives off. <laughs> and I'm like, Jason, me and Jason Trozen were like, I have no money. I'm like, I got a credit card. I think I have like a $800 limit. Max that out so I can go home. So I can't stay in Mexico City because you don't want to be there by yourself. Get on a plane and go home. And Jason ends up getting Montezuma's revenge and gets sick. Like, we all, because you're drinking the, the ice and the drinks. Oh, yeah. We all end up getting sick. And I'm like, oh, my God. That was horrible. <laughs> like, what were you thinking? That sounds terrible. Oh, God. It was horrible. Like, we're all just in this bus. Like, what is going on? Where are we? Who's... Whose idea was this? I don't know how they roped like 15 pro players down to go into. Adam Johnson was there. Well, dude, that ha- that happens though. I mean, that's kind of. I remember one time I went to Tahiti, and uh, and Nikki Cuba had set the trip up. I didn't know that Tahiti <laughs> has um, really strict paintball gun laws, yeah. and so um, I don't know where we're staying. I don't. The only thing that I know going to Tahiti is that the dude that we're supposed to stay with his name is Lars, um, <laughs> and so that's it. Um, and so, uh, and so we, so I get off and, you know, I get off and me and Nikki both get off and we, we go through customs. They pull me uh, into secondary, find my guns and then start like harassing me about the guns. I mean, I don't know. You guys have probably all been in those situations before. Um, so now I'm like trying to, I'm like, oh, they're just paintball guns. And now they're like yelling at me, like these big Tahitian, (laughs) it was like this Tahitian woman with a neck tattoo and this other big Tahitian dude. And they're like speaking to me in French because you know, Tahiti was colonized by French colonists instead of the British who colonized uh, Hawaii, which is why everyone speaks English there. So everyone, so they're like, I don't, I'm like, I don't speak any French. I definitely don't speak any Tahitian. And they're like yelling at me and they're like, um, you know, where, 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 what hotel are you staying at? Why are you here? And I'm just like, I'm here to teach this paintball clinic. And they, you know, they're like, how do you not even know where you're staying? And like, you only know the guy's first name. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. This is all I know. Like, I'm not trying to smuggle guns into you. These are just paintball guns, man. I'm here to teach a clinic. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. And so they're like just grilling me. And then finally, um, the guy who had set the trip up knew people at the airport, thank God. And so all of a sudden, the door opens. He walks in. And I'm like, oh, my God. I've never seen him before. Right. And he's like, hey, Maddie, how you doing? It's so crazy that we, we do. Like, I've done that so many times. You get on a plane, and you go, and you have no idea where you're going yeah, or what you're doing. You just know that some guy named Joe is picking you up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually had a, I got d- denied going into Bali two years ago. So you have to have a half of a page. And I'm like on my passport and I go, well, I got a quarter. And that stamp is like barely on that page. I think I got half of a page. You, that was, that's, you have to have half a page? You have to have yeah, at yeah. least half of a page. They recommend a full page because you have to get the visa stamp in there. Like it's a big sticker. So we come back from uh, – we're going from Malaysia and I was on impact and we're going to go to Bali for a week. It was like five days. And then I get there and they go pull, – come pull me to the side of the room and they go, you know, you can't come in here. I go, hi, you know – Whatever, I got, I'll buy the visa. It's not a problem. I'll pay you right now. They go, no, your passport's full. And I'm like, people don't get denied. I'm like, American, you know, we have this pride where you're like, oh, I can go anywhere. Yeah. And the guy's like, nope, you got to go home. And I'm like, what? And they're going to detain Chad George too, but they accidentally put the sticker on his quarter of a page, so they let him in. And then Bart comes back there and he's like, this isn't really happening. He's like, whatever the fee is or fine, I'll pay it. And the guys are getting more upset now that we're trying to like, you know, negotiate our own side deal to get in the country. Yeah. And they're like, no way. And I go, what? And they go, you're going home. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this doesn't happen, right, in real life. You're going home. And Bart goes, Tim, I think you're screwed. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, Bart can't get me out of this. What am I doing? He goes, I guess I'll see you in a month. He walks out the door. <laughs> and I go, oh, my God. And they go, follow me. And so then they take me down to a cinder block room. Literally. And what it is, it was like the prayer room, but it's just a cinder block room with carpet. And they go, be back in eight hours. If you need to use the bathroom, it's right there. And they put a guard beside me because technically I wasn't allowed in the country. 
So I just sat in there looking at the wall. I would use my hoodie, take off my socks, roll them up in a pillow, slept for a couple hours. They'd bring me some food, take me back to the lounge. Like the one time that like, you can have a, a drink and they're like, you can have a beer. We'll let you have a beer. I'm, like, I'm definitely drinking this beer. Put me back in the cinder block room. I have to wait for 24 hours. Then they sent me to Malaysia. 24 hours? I had to wait in a cinder block room. <laughs> and so then, then I get back to Malaysia. I have no phone, no contacts. And I'm like, oh my God. So I paid like $50 to use the internet for an hour or whatever in the Malaysian airport in Kuala Lumpur. And I called Bart and I'm like, I don't know what to do, dude. And he's like, all right, I'll, I'll call a travel agent or someone that can help you. Because usually I can figure something out, but my flight's out of Bali to go home. I have no flight. And so he's like, okay, I got your flight, but you don't leave for another 24 hours. Oh, God. So I don't have a lot of money, and I'm sitting in Kuala Lumpur for 24 more hours. And then he goes, the bad news is you got to go to Tokyo for 30 hours. <laughs> and I go, oh, my God. I'm like, my one credit card is already not working because it got shut off. You can't, you can't do too many transactions over in Asia. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm sitting in Malaysia, and I'm just sitting there, sitting there. My iPad's dead, and then they put me on a plane. They go, okay, here's your passport back. You're now cleared. You can go home. I don't live in Japan. Oh, that sucks. So they put me on a plane back to Japan because I flew through Japan. So I'm sitting in Japan for another 30 hours, nothing, just sitting there. What would you do? I mean, did you go out? Would they even let you out of the airport in Japan? In Japan, I could have. Yeah. But, I mean, I have like five bucks left. So I'm eating <laughs> chicken nuggets, just sitting there. <laughs> and then I get home, right, and I got like a 10-hour layover in Chicago, and I get home. Are you just eating like all this? as soon as you got on the plane? Were you just oh like eating God. everything yes. you possibly could find? I was like, three find? of those. Three, give me three of those meals? Oh, yeah, no, that old turkey sandwich? Yeah, give me four. Hey, you can eat the rest of that, bro? Yeah. No? Oh, you're not? Okay, can I have that? I'm starving. And I'm, I haven't showered in like four or five days, right? <laughs> and we went out, and the worst part is the last night in Malaysia, there was a, the biggest players party I've ever been to. And we won the, the Nation's Cup bar. It's like, we're partying. I'm like, we're partying. And I went way too hard. And I'm like, God, I'll shower. And I get to Bali. I'll put myself together, you know. And I'm all dirty and slimy from that night when we partied in, in Malaysia. <laughs> so it's like day five of not showering. I was going to say, so you were wrecked five days yeah. before thinking like, like, oh, I'll be good. When I get to Bali, I'll be able to get a shower. Yeah. I'll feel, I'll feel much like better. It's like a 45-minute flight, right? I'll be good. And I'm just a mess. I'm just gross. I get to Chicago. I get home. I park my car. Two hours later, Chad's back at his house. Like, dude, Bali was so awesome. We went surfing. I'm like... You're literally getting home the same time I'm getting home, and you just spent five days in Bali. <laughs> I haven't left the airport. <laughs> you just went from airport to airport yeah. to airport. And so I have a big red thing on my air, on my my last page of my passport that says denied entrance into Indonesia, and I, I can't use my passport in Indonesia that one. So I had to get another one. No way. Yeah, and I went back like four months later. And How did, so just the moral of the story is always have an open like page of Never your passport. Never be an American arrogant asshole and look at the rules. <laughs> to get into a country <laughs> so that was an adventure that was probably one of the worst adventures like i was my, i remember i i don't usually talk to my parents a lot when i travel and my mom's calling me she's like are you in jail do we gotta fly over there and get you get you out of the country i'm like no mom i'm just like in this like cinder block room waiting to get like i'm being detained and she's like this is like out of like taken or something <laughs> it's out of like locked up abroad yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i mean and everyone's cool about it they're just like this is just how it works i'm like oh my god that's that's crazy. Yeah. So you, I learned a lot of lessons. Have you ever had anything like that? Uh, I live a dream, so no, I have never had that bad experience. <laughs> so, I mean, I've had it where like uh, Greg, Jareb, and I were playing in Mexico, and they hated us. They didn't want us to win, and we won the tournament. We didn't lose a point in the entire tournament. And the guy's like, well, I didn't buy you guys flights home yet, so I found this guy's account online, and we're going to use that guy to buy you tickets, but you got to get on a bus to Mexico City. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be bad. And uh, we ended up actually getting on a bus and had Wi-Fi. It was super nice. And, like, 
we just took it for like four hours and that was about it. And I was yeah, like, that doesn't sound that bad. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> like listen to that. I'm like, wow, you lived a really bad lifestyle. <laughs> Dude, I was, uh, adventure, though. When, yeah. yeah, when, when, um, the year anniversary of 9-11, uh, the day of 9-11, we were of the anniversary, we were flying to England. Um, to go play in Campaign Cup over there. And uh, it was me and Yosh Rao, and we had to drive up to get Brandon Lambertson, who was another player of the Ironman at the time. And uh, so we had to, like, drive all the way up to way east of Los Angeles and then drive to LAX. So we're driving like a bat out of hell. Um, we, you know, end up driving like 110 miles an hour. We end up getting to the airport an hour and 55 minutes before our flight. And we sit there and get in an argument with the, the woman who's like, get, you know, go, go here, get in this line, get in that line. And she's like, oh, sorry, you, you're here. You, know, not, you, this, you have to be here two hours uh, ahead of time here or, or you can't fly. So you guys, you have to take the next flight. And I'm just like, there's no way. We, it's an hour and 55 minutes. We just had to sit in LA traffic. Like I'm trying to say anything I possibly can say to get through that line. Um, you know, even saying, just even making stuff up, like with not, not essentially like completely making everything up. Cause we do have a company, I guess you could say, and we're flying <laughs> all these people around everywhere. And I'm like, we were for a company. We spent tens of thousands of dollars a year on our airline <laughs> oh. tickets. We will never fly this airline again. Oh, if I you gave don't that let speech us through. this year. <laughs> yeah. Just try to do anything we can to get through. And, uh, and we could see the other guys on the team like going through the you know the um, the Check. security checkpoint, yeah, yeah. and they're like waving at us, and we're just like, you know, like, oh, dude, we don't know how this is going to go down. And um, so they, so the chick wouldn't budge, dude. She would refuse to let us yeah. through. She's like, "There's nothing you can do. Sorry." And so because it's nine eleven, like you guys should know better. And we're just like, dude, this sucks. So we're like, all right, whatever. So we have to catch the next flight. No big deal, right? The story's going to get real bad real fast. <laughs> so um, it's already going south, right? So we're like, okay, whatever. And so we stand in the line. We go up there. We explain situation we try to argue with the person at the counter they won't budge either so they rebook us on the next flight to uh to london non-stop flight right from los angeles to london so we're like okay well you know we're now we're gonna land like three hours after they did um you know whatever no big deal we let them know like text them the deal like hey we got screwed we have to catch a later flight they're like whatever we're getting on our flight you know you guys suck we'll see you <laughs> we'll see you in london so we, we wait around for like three hours drink some beers we get on the flight Everything seems to be going just fine. Um, we're somewhere over the Rockies, I believe, when I'm midway through my salad, a little baby, you know, sized salad, and i uh, got a fork full of lettuce, and I look up, and I see this um, stewardess, or flight attendant, like, rush past, and then I'm like, well, she seemed like, and she was in a hurry, and then another one rushes by the opposite way, like, frightful look on her face, and then I see her talking to another one of the flight attendants up there, and then they both, like, streak past, and I'm like, what is going on back there? And I turn around... <laughs> And, like, five or six seats behind us, there's a woman on top of this dude, like, straddling him, uh, a flight attendant, pumping on this dude's chest. And the dude is, like, just, uh, like, just having some sort of issue, you know? Like, she's, like, pumping on his chest. The other flight attendant's, like, fanning this guy with, like, in-flight magazine, like a Sky Mall magazine, (laughs) you know? And And I'm like, holy shit. And I look up and I'm like, look at Yosh and Brandon. I'm like, hey, I think there's some guy dying behind us. And they're like, whatever, dude. I'm like, no, seriously, turn around and look back. Sure enough, we look back at this time. All the flight attendants are just like this. Oh, my God. Like, they just all look like they have no idea what to do. The guy is just sitting there in a seat like this, just dead. Jeez. And I'm just like. They had to take a flight down? I'm like, oh, dude, I think this guy just died. And then, so the, and then the flight attendant runs back up. And then sure enough, like 30 seconds later, um, we hear the the uh, um, the pilot come on. He's like, "We have an emergency situation. Are there any doctors on board?" 
And, um, you know, no, there were no doctors on board. And, uh, and then about maybe a minute and a half after that, he's like, you know, comes on and he's like, oh, we've had an emergency situation with the passenger and we have to make an emergency landing in Denver. We're going to be coming down from altitude though. So buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be a rough ride. And so we're looking at each other. We're like, okay. And so dude, I've never been in a plane that descended faster than that. I mean, it felt like we were going straight down, like just just massive amounts of turbulence holding onto the seat. Like, just rocking and rolling and look over at Yosh and I'm like, hey, buddy, if we don't make it, I love you guys. <laughs> and so dumping fuel, apparently got to dump fuel because he can't land with that much weight. And uh, so, we, um, so we land. And again, you know, it's the anniversary of 9-11 and this dude just died. And so as we land and then as soon as we like taxi up, on comes like everybody, like FBI, the firefighters, cops, like there's tons of people wow. spill onto the plane. And we're just, like, looking at these people coming by, like, dude, this is, you know, we, we didn't do anything. You know, we're just kind of sitting here. And then, uh, they, so they force everyone off of the plane and um, yeah, into, like, and they cordon us off in a little area and post a guard there. And we're not allowed to leave for four hours. So we're stuck for four hours in this, like, little tiny area. And we can only leave to go to the bathroom. And we had to get escorted there and back um, if you were going to go to the bathroom. And, and then, so basically they had to, I guess, search the plane and figure out the dude just had, like, a garden variety of heart attack and died or whatever it was. Jeez. And, um, and so, uh, so then they put us all back on the plane and then we take off. So we missed our first flight. Dude died on the, on the plane. Now we're, you know, seven hours behind or whatever. And, uh, so we take off and then they come back on again. They're like, uh, we have to make a landing in New York because the, um, the crew has gone past their amount of hours that they oh, yeah. can actually yeah, be on awake. the plane. Yeah. So then we land in New York and I'll never, I'll never forget Cause we got like a, they gave us. Um, mag- or they gave us uh, newspapers and it was like a picture of the 9-11 disaster yep. we're in New York I'm like Dude, this is what a shitty trip so far <laughs> so then uh, so then we take off from New York after they bring a new crew on and we land in London at like 10pm at night the day before the tournament starts Jeez. and uh, and we didn't have like this is before this is you know 2002 so there wasn't like we didn't have cell phones that worked in Europe but yeah. thank God Rich had just got his, his phone turned on in Europe because um, I was like, I don't even know. Our plan at that point was just take a cab to the Crystal Palace yep. and sleep on the grass. Yeah, that was that was the plan. That's probably what I would have yeah, done. Yeah, because like, I, mean, I could get the paper. Yeah, because if we exactly like if we know where the, we know where the field is, like at least the name of it. And I mean, I couldn't have driven there probably, Jeez. but so uh, so that was our plan. So, but the Virgin people like were they let us? They took us in the back behind, like all of you know, back into the the bowels of the of the like the building. Let us use the phone. And so I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to call Rich's phone. I'm thinking his wife, that he probably didn't even take it because it's not going to work in Europe. So I'm thinking his wife's going to pick up and I can try to figure out what hotel he's staying at from there and then catch a cab to the hotel. So sure enough, he picks up the phone and he's just like, he's like, hello. And then, cause you know, it's like late at night, it's like midnight at this point. And I'm like, dude, you're never going to believe what happened to us. And dude. he's like, dude, where have you guys been? I thought something serious happened. I'm like, dude, we were on a plane, guy died. It's crazy, but we're Jeez. here in London. Like what hotel are you at? So he gives me the hotel, it gives us the address and then Virgin paid for like a 50 pound cab, like all the way to the opposite side of London. And so we got like two hours of sleep and then went and played the tournament the next day. It's nice. so crazy landing in a place and not knowing where you're supposed to be. What you're supposed to go, and that's like protocol when you go to Europe. You're just like, eh, someone's gonna pick me up. Yeah, yeah. I, we had. I don't do we have time. Yeah. I, so I, there was a, a couple of years ago we went backpacking. Me, Ryan Moorhead, and a couple of buddies were like, you know, we got all these sky miles. We kind of got a little longer off season. We're gonna go backpack through Europe for a month. And the rule is, you bring a cell phone, you bring an iPad. Everyone's got to fit in a carry on backpack. That's it, right? We, we committed. We said everyone's gonna bring four grand or whatever, three grand for the month. After that, if we run out of money, we're hustling, doing whatever. So we got to Ireland, then we decided to go to Amsterdam for New Year. So the rule was we're going to fly to Dublin, fly out of Rome. Whatever we do between there is whatever we want to do, which is K-1, 
Cabot flight by flights. So I'm going to Amsterdam on New Year's. And our one buddy met up. He flew in a couple days later, and he met up. And he just landed. So he's super jet-lagged. But he's like, I'm going hard tonight. It's New Year's. I want to enjoy it. He goes too hard, right? He ends up getting separated from the group. I don't know if he got jumped or whatever. Lost his stuff. Lost his wallet. Lost his phone. Lost everything but his passport. And I'm like, dude, somehow he ended up finding us back at the hotel. I mean, and it is literally you've never seen a sea of people like this. Like a million people come to Amsterdam to just party for one night, and then they leave. Somehow he got back to the hotel. And I'm like, all right, dude. You know, we end up going to Berlin, and he's kind of putting himself back together. I'm like, let's go to Prague. I've never been to Prague. I want to go there. Well, the only way to get there really was by train. And I can't really read the signs, but I'm like, okay, well, this says Praha. I think that's Prague. We're going to go. And I'm sitting there, and there, I'm like, when do we know when we're in our Prague? And everyone's like, I guess maybe it's going to look like Prague. I don't even know what that means. So I look around, I go, this is Prague. We're definitely in Prague. And then I see, I go, I think that says last stop. And then it's starting to pull away. And then the thing says next stop hungry five hours later. And I'm like, oh my God. I go, guys, wake up. Everyone's sleeping. So I'm like, we got to get off. And the train's like going really slow. So I grab my bag and I throw it out and I jump out. And I go, you guys got to come. And I'm like, I don't want to get strapped there by myself. At least I got like my credit card and stuff. And by some ridiculous idea, Ryan jumps off. My one buddy Nick jumps off. My one buddy Russ jumps off. And the last guy we let jump off is a guy that has nothing. And the train's <laughs> going. Like, it's steaming. And he's, like, grabbing on the thing. And he's shaking. He's leaning out. He goes, what do I do? And I go, you got to jump, Chad. He goes, or what? I go, or else you're screwed. You have no phone and no money. He goes, help me. I go, throw me your bag. And I catch his bag. He goes, it's going too fast. And I go, you got to jump. And he goes, Okay. And he jumps out, and it's like, whack. Like, if you took, like, a bag of meat and threw it on the concrete, <laughs> he hits the concrete. So not graceful at all, just like, Because the train's steaming, dude. It's going. And he's rolling. He's like, help me. Yeah. <laughs> and I pick him up. He's, like, all cut up and bruised. He goes, bro, what would I have done if I ended up in Hungary? I go, dude, you'd have had to sell your soul, man, because I don't know what you would have done. He had nothing, just his passport. Not a dollar, <laughs> not a phone, not an iPad, Nothing. Because what I do is I just be like, oh, I'll just pay for it and just run a tab and pay me back when we get home. Yeah. Instead of I should have just given him like five hundred bucks and said, you know, here's like your money for right now if you get if something happens. But we weren't thinking like that. And I'm like sitting there thinking like, oh my God, we just lost Chad to like the Hungarian mafia. They're gonna That's it. It's time to move on, I guess. <laughs> and not to mention the same guy he's talking about is the guy that went all the way to Pamplona and watched the video and said, I'm out. <laughs> he loves to travel but he's not like a solo survivor yet he's, you know, like, he's not yet like up to that game and I was like just thinking in my head like god I gotta call this guy's parents and tell him I lost him in Hungary <laughs> like you can't <laughs> so it was crazy uh, man. it was a crazy month that's yeah, yeah well that's so funny that's awesome but you know that's again one of the cool things about the paintball life yeah, so awesome. if you're listening out there and you train hard enough one day, <laughs> you live a dream. You could, you too could be jumping off of a <laughs> rolling train with no money and no phone, just your passport. Oh, and you know, Tim like, pick you up and brush you off or like sell your soul. Like if you end up in London or something by yourself, you know, it's not too bad, but I don't know about ending up like in Budapest by yourself. Yeah. I mean, God. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, any crazy trips for this year or are you just going to play it by ear or what um me and ryan we're talking we're going to go back to asia we're going to go to malaysia the um what is it the asian world cup asia maybe go to vietnam or cambodia or something before or after um i'll probably go back to south africa i want to check out mozambique so and then we'll go play all the millenniums um i like to go to egypt so it's kind of hard. Yeah, I, I think there's a while there when it was real sketchy, and I wasn't really sure about going. Yeah, with the revolution. Yeah. Ryan just went. Ryan yeah. and Blake actually yeah, just yeah, went. Yeah, yeah. So they said it's, it's, it's 
pretty cool right now. So yeah, I said it's just super. Yeah, like other than the amazingness of the <clears throat> of the pyramids, Pyramid, other yeah. than that, it's like pretty sketch and yeah, poverty ridden place. And they just added this crazy, this new random airline that flies from DC, which is like three hours from my house, and go direct to Iceland. I saw that. For yeah, like hundred bucks. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I might go in the summer. It's three fifty round trip. No way. Yeah, to go to Iceland. I heard JC went, Cornell went, and he said it's real expensive, but when you go there, it says awesome. Wow. Just the scenery is really cool. Yeah, I want to go to Iceland. Yeah, I want to go to Iceland too. Yeah. They used to have paintball there, and then it just kind of like, dried up. That but, sucks. Yeah, yeah, so scratching them off, man, one day at a time, all the places. One imaginary yeah. bucket list at a time. <laughs> yeah, so um, so you guys feel confident about this event coming up? March uh, 15th through the 17th. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel really good about our team. I mean, of course, I'm always going to say that, but... I mean, it's hard for me to, to look at the players, and especially after this weekend, and, and finding a weak point in our game. I mean, as long as we can come together as a team, which yeah. I team. think with the people we have, it'll, it'll be really easy. And team's going to be huge now because, like, when he says that, it's like you have to play as a team when you're going to play this format. Right. Like, with, when you don't get to focus on just, like, finding the strengths on the layout and everything Are else. Are you guys, right. as far as like drills, how do you work on teammate or uh, teamwork? Um, um, how, like, how does Heat do it? Because that's going to be something that, I mean, everyone should probably be working on. I mean, on yeah, we come up with a lot of different drills. You know, um, like, some of the guys, like, what we've been doing, which is kind of cool, is every day like, we break up in little groups and they get to create a drill that the team has to do. You know, so that it's not just Jason saying, do this, do that. It's like, so now you have an input. So we had a drill the other day where it's like, you know, you can't move until someone tells you you can go. So we're checking everybody off. We're trying to set stuff up. So it's like we did a three-on-three drill. And it's like, let's say it was me, Ryan, and Tommy. You know, Tommy's in the corner. He'd say, hey, Tim, you can go. I, he gets me under him. And then I say, hey, Tommy, you can come back inside. And then we say, hey, Ryan, let's get Ryan around us. You know, and obviously the game doesn't play like that, but it's an aspect of the game we're working on. Um, so we were at a meeting the other day, and I told everyone it's about becoming a better team now. Yep. More than what it had become. It's like, who can go to the, that God bunker, that 10 spot or whatever, and then make the move to the sink the quickest? Who perfects that one little move the best? That's who's going to win that section. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it goes back to how it used to be back when Aftershock won a lot and the Ironman were winning all the time and Dynasty was winning. It's who's a better team? Mm-hmm. Who can work better as you know, a five-person cohort yeah. And who can make <clears throat> that five people work together on the fly the best? Yeah, and that's what it's going to go back to, which I love. I mean, that's what I think the game is about: strategizing, figuring out on the fly, mm-hmm. more than just repetition, repetition, repetition. So, you know, we're trying to come up with new things. We're playing together, playing situations, three on twos, two on ones. So, and I think a lot of personal gun skills are going to come into it. So it's like doing drills like that, like uh, you know, like obviously it's real hard to run and shoot. I work. I still got. Yeah. How how was that going? I mean, um, I've seen a couple of videos. No, 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 it looks. They actually little did this tough. really sweet drill where one guy sits on like one side or whatever, and you go corner to corner, and there's nothing in between you. It's just all in the open. It's almost like a Mexican standoff. And you, one guy's like, well, we did it with all twelve guys that like you just run corner to corner, and then the other guy sits on the other side, and he sits, stands there and shoots at you the whole time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was sweet. Like I it thought was it was good. Gonna I mean, suck at first. You the guy's shooting, working on on laning. Yeah. Like, you practicing Dodging how to get your gun going. And the other guys learn how to run and shoot, and then, I mean, you're 150 feet away with nothing in between you. Yeah. So it's like, I, I know if I shoot that guy in the head, he probably won't shoot me as many times. Yeah. So we're kind of perfecting things like that. So it's not as bad. I mean, everyone makes out like it was way worse than it's supposed to be, but like, yeah. I like it. I thought it was good. Is, like, are you doing any specific drills to try to get that? Because I've, I've heard it's a little easier, obviously, to get the rhythm down when you're just shooting, trying to you know figure out how to best shoot the gun. But then as soon as the game starts and you're, you, right. that adrenaline starts flowing, yeah. you get immediately into your old habits yeah. of you just going way too yeah. fast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're used to just repping on your gun, it's going to be tough. I mean, I pretty much have shot my gun with one finger for most of my career. It's like, do, 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 do. And I can keep a consistent nine balls a second. Mm-hmm. 
It's just you got to, you know, one finger and I keep a solid rhythm, which I think is better than having, like, peaks and valleys. So you're, you are going with one finger. Oh, I'm one finger guy. Yep. I'm one finger guy. What about uh, you, Chad? Yeah. I actually like taking both my fingers and, like, kind of moving them together at the same time. So okay. it's just, yeah, so I'm not really the one finger guy. I'm kind of the... I guess not really rolling my fingers, but just kind of moving them together. And I'm like hoping for the best. I'm accuracy guy now. Yeah. You definitely <laughs> learn to put a little one-shot willies on people. So it's yeah, like. Yeah, accuracy is going to be huge. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, it always it has been, but. In a sense, up more so yeah, now. You got a kid before. that's like. And just runs around and he's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, that was me when I was playing. Like I was never really a fast shot, but I was right. a good shot. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that people make up for the. Yeah, it'll volume. definitely be black and white from like the, how the talent goes. So. And you might see a lot of teams struggle with it. So, I mean. That's how the cookie crumbles. I mean, I still think that the teams that have been really good for the last decade will still be good. Yeah. I think think Dynasty will be a strong team still because, like, they play as a team, and it's still like they have guys that know how to play paintball. Yeah, X-Factor could be really good too. X-Factor, yeah. I think it could create a a bigger gap, though, whereas some of the other teams, like let's say some of the teams coming up, could just learn the field and figure a defensive way to play it and just – not rely, but use your guns as like an extra extension of you to say, we're going to lock this zone off. You're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, but at the same – I mean, <clears throat> I, I do agree that logic would dictate that, uh, that the, the more experienced guys at walking fields and the guys that you know were around when the gun rules were very similar to this yeah. will probably have an advantage. But if you kind of look at – you know, there's probably going to be a little bit more of an ability to have those crazy moves and those oh, crazy yeah. plays. Oh, yeah. Like you said, you know, it's like Ryan making that huge move across yeah. and no one could pick him up till the very end. Oh, yeah. You know, so, I mean, those those teams like, you know, Shock's notorious for doing you know, yeah. crazy moves. And so, I mean, that could add a little bit of that. You yeah. Know, that little there's going to be a lot of fun games. There. I mean, I know we were talking about how it's going to change the flow of the game. I think it's going to make it exponentially more exciting. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had more fun playing this week than I did the last couple years because i'm like man i can literally just go to the corner stand over the top and just run you know maybe i get picked up maybe i won't but sometimes i see the guy looking i'm like oh my god the paint's coming i gotta dive like you can see it coming at you it's just a d- different pace yeah mm-hmm. so, and i yeah. like it and it's not 10 of them it's a couple of them right yeah, yeah that was an yeah you, you, you run to the corner that's yeah the funniest you can thing. see it and you're like dodging it and it's like all right cool like i can see this you know, there's, yeah. no, like, there's no getting mowed down we're, we're doing laning drills we're like okay this guy's just gonna shoot and you're gonna run and you run you one ball goes boop and hits your load and you're like oh I'm out. Do yeah, you guys I, ever do the dodgeball drill just for we fun? We stand out in the open? Yeah. Especially when I used to all the time. Yeah, we used to do it all the time. Yeah. It was fun. And then we do them in clinics too because yeah. it's just fun because dudes yeah. like can't pick up the paint sometimes. Yeah. But that's kind of a very important skill, man. If you don't train your eye to pick up something that's moving 200 miles an hour, yeah. you're going to have a hard time trying to get out of the way of that thing. Yeah. yeah. I remember when in 2002 when uh, I played the first World Cup. Like, it was my first World Cup, and uh, you had to walk like 12 different fields. Yep. I feel like it's going to be like that now. So it's like you guys spend all the time in the world to like – Learn the field, and then now it's like, okay, who's got like literally the best strategy possible? Definitely like, gonna want the afternoon bracket. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, because you're gonna yeah. want to watch things. It's like, man, yeah, yeah. And having that afternoon bracket's gonna be clutch. Yeah. That's gonna be huge. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy that that like it goes back to that. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited though. You know, I like. Really I'm, I'm really yeah. and I, I, super. I, I put that up like on my Facebook. I was like, I really am excited. And I think the game needed something like this to just like get everybody excited. And yeah, there's ups and downs when people are complaining a little bit, but yeah, it's, and, and it's I can good. see what guys that are playing. I can see where they're coming from. You know, yeah, I mean, totally. when things yeah. change a lot, it's natural to right. be like, "Whoa, wait a second, why are we changing this?" Because I mean, it wasn't like it w- wasn't working. Right. I just, but if we can get the game to where you know, like we had talked about in the open of the podcast, it's like originally this was about gunfighting, movement, and tactics and strategy. Yeah. And I think that the 
these are things that are going to get us back there as long as it's enforceable. And that's why the cap is so low. You know, a lot of people are like, well, why is the cap to 12.5? And it's like, and Tim, I mean, maybe you can speak a little bit more to that because, you know. You well, the reason it's at 12.5 is what it is, is that's, it allows you to have one trigger pull for every 80 milliseconds. Mm-hmm. So it's like a block. And every, once every 80 milliseconds equates to 12.5 balls a second. So you figure you got a block, you got three blocks here, let's say. If you pull it six times here and once here and once here, you still only get three shots. So it was two, 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 still one, one, one. So it's just the, the way so that they can enforce it so that you can keep a rhythm, but you can kind of tell if someone's gun isn't legal. Yeah, because so, that, that's what I was like. All right, well, if this ends up being too slow or it affects the game too much in a way, we could maybe go to three, right. like 13.5 or yeah. something like that. I mean, but, I think they're still trying some of that out, but it's you're, you're talking the difference of like five milliseconds. Like let's say you go 12.5 to 14, you know, it's the difference of eight milliseconds or something like that, whatever yeah. it equates to. And maybe you'll get one extra ball, you know, in a gap, but it's not a huge difference. I think we tried it out, and it makes a difference at, like, 17 balls a second where you can now keep a rhythm going because those those chunks that you're allowed to shoot in get so small where now it makes up and you, know, you can get a whole stream. But they kind of wanted to get, get away from that for a lot of reasons. A, so someone just can't just sit there and go, and, and B, so that you can kind of tell if someone's gun isn't legal. You know, they're trying to come up with checks and balances, and there's a lot of things that are – are being discussed and finalized like as we speak on how to regulate this. Mm-hmm. But the reality is the most simple way to regulate it is if it's virtually impossible. It's not saying that it isn't because there's some guys that can keep a, someone of rhythm, but it's really, really hard. Yeah, Marcel looked like he got it down pretty quick. I was with him when he shot yeah, for the first his, time. His, his and I picked pretty, his gun up and I was like, I couldn't get the rhythm yeah. down. I was kind of like, you know, him and like Malloy could keep his going pretty good. But yeah. then you take the other 11 guys and there's like no one that can keep a solid rhythm. Yeah. But you can just then watch and be like, eh, that guy's pushing the envelope. At least let's just check it. And then yeah. there's some checks and balances there. Yeah. So, but, you know, it's a good, good system of regulating. I mean, it's like back in 2000, if you saw an angel. And it was just ripping. You're like, eh, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. We didn't really understand the concept of, of the ramping guns yet. Yeah. But you're like, something's not right there. You know, you could hear the difference between the Shocker four by four turbos or whatever. Oh yeah. And the yeah. standard ones. You know, you can just hear the difference. Yeah. So and that's what that was a thought process. Well, I'm stoked, man. Um, I, I know it's yeah. not going to be without its, its perils, but, you know, let's give it a shot. And if we can make the game more exciting to play, more exciting to, to watch, and might as well walk this road a little bit and see yep. what comes of it. Well, thank you guys for coming. Definitely. Uh, yeah, so March 13th through the 15th, actually, it's going to be Dallas Open. So, you know, check out Houston Heat with their new revamped lineup. Boom, boom. Definitely one of the favorites. Um, are there any teams that you particularly guys want to play that you feel, you know, you want to make a statement to? or no, I think we're kind of at the point now we want to do it to the whole world and league after last year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've got to beat everybody and earn it. So Yeah, you guys do have a lot to prove this year, yeah. for yes. sure. So, well, best of luck to you guys. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in to The Real Deal Podcast. Again, thank you to our sponsors, GI Sports, uh, Die Precision, Planet Eclipse, and Key Action Sports as well, Empire Products. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. We've got a bunch more podcasts coming at you before the first event, so stay tuned. Peace.